I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome to episode 299 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And for this episode, it is part two of the 1983 countdown, our favorite albums of 1983, hard rock and metal albums, although there is a curveball in there with Huey Lewis at 17. <laughs> but for the most part, we stick to the hard rock and metal throughout, but I get it. You know, I mentioned this in the previous episode. That was a big album for a lot of people. So uh, I'm happy to work with whatever my patrons can provide me. So that's exactly what I did there. I'm not going to go back to somebody and say, no, no, take that off. You know, I, I get that playing podcast isn't the most important thing for, for people. But at the same time, you know, I've had people tell me time after time that Listening to the show or, or becoming a patron is like talking to friends about music. You know how you chatted with friends about music growing up. So if I'm able to provide that kind of comfort or that kind of dialogue or whatever that you enjoy, then that's awesome. That means a lot to me. Anyway, quick shout out to my patrons here. Steve Hoker, Jeremy Weltman, Mike Jones, Brad Dahl, Gabriel Ruiz, Chris Vaglio, Jose Ruiz, Metal Dan, Johan Ederstrom. I pronounced that wrong. Ederstrom. I think it's like that. Anyway, Ed Ferguson, Steven Saylor, Anthony Mackey, Art Ruiz, and Gene Eugene DX. Thank you very much for all your support. For those that submitted your lists for this. And for those that didn't, hey, I get it. You know, once again, uh, being a part of this isn't the most important thing. But if you are so inclined to be involved in future episodes, join my Patreon. Two bucks a month gets you in. If this is the type of discussion you want to be involved in, you're more than welcome to be involved. You can also do so via the chat, um, where a lot of people do that as well. When we're live, they'll throw in their comments as well. Anyway, let's see if your favorite ends up number one, or if the number one that you think will be number one will be number one. Here we go. Just real quickly here, since we're starting the second hour of the show, um, and the subsequent podcast episode, this will be episode 299 of the Mars Attacks podcast. And uh, real quickly here at number 10, we had Y&T with Mean Streak. Number nine, except with Balls to the Walls. Metallica with Kill 'Em All at eight. Def Leppard at seven with Pyromania. And at number six, Twisted Sister with You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. All right. So number five. Number five 
is an album that was huge for me personally. This is the band that made me realize that there was something else besides Kiss out there. <laughs> because up until here, see, uh, Anthony is, well, I shouldn't say the first band because I listened to a lot of stuff that my brother had, but it was the first thing that I purchased that wasn't Kiss. Um, I fell in love with this right away. When I saw it on MTV, when I heard it on the radio, I'm like, holy crap, this is arguably heavier or one of the heaviest things I had heard up until then. It was getting on top 40 radio. Let's see who else voted for this. All right, Ed voted for this. Um, all right, so me and Ed. <laughs> all right. Yeah, but again, it was so high. I mean, out of the people that are here, other people voted for this that aren't here tonight. This album in the U.S. was the first hard rocker metal number one ever on the Billboard charts. This was teetering on number one for the longest time throughout this week. And like I said earlier, on the last day, that changed. This started to fall down the list. Um, there's a considerable gap between five and four and everything above that. But I was, I was hoping it would be, it would be this. But uh, anyway, at number five, it is Quiet Riot with Metal Health. A lot of people know this from Come On, Feel the Noise from their cover. But the, before that, they released the title track Metal Health as the first single. And I saw that on MTV. I saw the mask. I saw the stripes. Um, it was something completely different to me. And I ate it up. I loved it. I still love this album to this day. Um, there's a lot of this band that I love up until, up until basically Carlos Cavazo left and they were never the same after. But, um, all right. So, uh, these guys are depressing me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you say you and I were the only ones? Out of the, out of the group here, we're the only ones that voted for it, but there's other people that are not here present tonight that voted uh, this for this to be pretty high. This was my number one. I'll admit to that um, because I've listened to this album so much. Yeah, yeah, it deserves to be number one on someone's list. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. For you, what what did this album mean to you, Ed? Well, this would have been uh, my second heavy metal experience of 1983. You know, Def Leppard came out with Pyromania in January. And once again, the story will repeatedly come up with me. I'm at a friend's house who has MTV, and I saw uh, Metal Health. And then another time when I was there later, saw Come On, Feel the Noise. You know, and uh, like, lucky for us, that uh, we had cassette tapes by then, so right. I could sneak that stuff in the house. You know, right? And uh, but yeah, that's that record I love, start to finish too. There's not a song in there I don't like. I like Carlos. I love his guitar playing and his tone. Uh, love battle axe. 
Um, yeah, and their little tribute to Randy Rhodes. It's uh, it's an album I can listen to every second of any time. Yeah. And you have to turn it up to 11. It's a Spinal <laughs> Tap record, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a shame that they got so much of a bad rap after that, uh, more so because of Kevin's mouth. Uh, more than anything else, but uh, yeah, that's what it is. So. Yeah, um, I, th- uh, you know, honestly, I, I do think that they put out a lot of. I think the first two albums are great. The third album was them kind of trying to fit in with everything else. Yeah, the fourth album with Paul Shortino, they tried to sound like White Snake by that time, and then the um, the 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 last few albums. Uh, that they had, like I said before, Carlos left the band. I think all of those are solid. Unfortunately, a lot of them aren't in print anymore. But um, so Jose is saying that he voted it number one as well. So you you can you can blame us amongst others. Um, Brad Party All Night was on the second album, not the first one. <laughs> uh, again, an album that sold because this one sold. I forget how many millions. Condition Critical sold half, so it was deemed a failure. But it was still like one of the biggest selling albums of the year. But because it wasn't number one, it was you know considered a failure by a lot of people, unfortunately. So, number four. What did what did Johan say? I didn't see his comment. I like Condition Critical more. Yeah, Condition Critical. It's a really cool album. That's that's an album that when they remastered it, they they missed remastering remastering it correctly. Like when Rock Candy has done a lot of these, they've brought like all the sound up and made it using today's technology sound louder. Condition Critical is still an album that when they re, remixed and remastered, it still sounds very thin to me. Like the drums don't sound as strong as what they should sound as a drummer. That's me being biased. Uh, number four. Of course, Ed voted for this. <laughs> um, Mike voted for this. Johan voted for this. Anthony voted for this. And I voted for this. This is the Ed list. um this one as well first few days it was possible that this is that this would have been number one it's number four um i should have had my i should have brought my cd i've mentioned this several times i did an unboxing of this the european copy that i have is different to the u.s copy it has different songs it has different song titles for the same exact songs For example, the European copy has a song called Forever in the States that's called Center of Eternity. Uh, The album also has in the States has a song called Slow Down, which isn't on the European copy. The European copy has spiders originally. Then all of that was released a million times and they're on everything now, but Bark at the Moon. So pretty much. All of us here uh, voted on this. Who didn't? Who didn't vote on this? Okay, <laughs> don't think I did. That would be Jeremy. So, uh, so let's go uh, here in um, 
uh, clockwise here. Mike, uh, bark at the moon. Oh, well, I mean, what can you say? Like top to bottom, all perfect 10 songs from, you know, bark at the moon. You're no different. Now you see it. Now you don't rock and roll rebel. I mean, talk about the, the one of the ultimate rock and roll anthems for everybody of that generation. Uh, this was my first official concert was seeing Ozzy on this tour with Motley Crue opening, which, oh, wow. I mean, that, that hooked me forever. And, um, you know, Jakey Lee's playing was just exceptional. I mean, the guy just absolutely shredded, just completely tore it up. And, I mean, what else can you say? You know, the, the video for Bark at the Moon, um, you know, this was, as you alluded to earlier, you know, kind of the, the height of the satanic panic. And that really got that whole PMRC thing up and running, um, you know, seeing Ozzy as a werewolf and, and all um, it was fantastic. Like the visually, auditorily, everything, you know, just this thing was cranked up so many times in my bedroom. And, yeah, I can't count the number of times my mom came pounding on the door telling me to turn it down. It was just exceptional. Yeah. The, uh, also, with my copy, "Rock and Roll Rebel" is is the first song. It's not, it's not "Bark at the Moon." So uh, I remember picking it up, thinking, "This is song number four in the U.S. How's this going to work?" But it works at number one as well. I mean, just the the opening riff to that still gets you going. You know, as the first song, but you know, the title track is the title track. Um, Johan, "Bark at the Moon." Uh, yes. Well, uh, not on my top uh, three, but uh, uh, cool cover. I remember thinking back in the day, uh, and that's why I bought the LP. Uh, the title track is still one of my favorite heavy metal songs for all times, over, even though it's overplayed, but uh, <laughs> it's, I mean... If you don't listen to it every day, it's great. Uh, no, it's a great album. Uh, not my top three, but uh, uh, I am very. I would really would have liked to see Ozzy on that tour because um, that was it was great back then. Great, great, great. Carmine Apathy on the drums. Or Mike, did you see Carmine? Yes, that was Carmen playing. Ah, oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Nothing more for me. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Ed, Mark of the Moon. Um, so this is the record I was referring to when I was talking about Kill Em All. Uh, you know, I've listened to Kill Em All a thousand times more than this record, but with this record was my first time that I actually saw Ozzy. You know, I'd heard about this guy a lot because there were lots of rumors that went around, especially after he bit the head off of the bat. And all of my, you know, sixth and seventh grade friends had lots of tall tales to tell. And uh, and I don't, I don't know if I even remember seeing album covers at the record store. I just heard about this guy a lot. And then again, I'm at a friend's house late at night. He has a uh, cable. We got MTV on and they play Bark at the Moon. So, you know, that was my first experience with, you know, one of the heavy metal gods, Ozzy, who, of course, I love like everyone else. 
Um, Jakey Lee is one of my favorite guitar players. Um, and I can just listen to that guy all day, or at least the chops that he had back then, you know, at least were incredible. Um, he, he could do all those things that all the fancy eighties guitar players were doing without, you know, a whammy bar. He just did that on that simple guitar. He, he, he had ways to make those sounds on his own. And so he was always incredibly interesting to watch. But yeah, just the impact of seeing Ozzy for the first time had me putting this album above a record like Kill 'Em All. I said Ride the Lightning again earlier, didn't I? I keep messing that up. That's fine. <laughs> we 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 understand. What I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. It's the bourbon here. Sorry. <laughs> well, you are in Kentucky. You you have to drink what you know what Kentucky yeah. is known for. Actually, I'm drinking a New York whiskey tonight. Kind of weird, but it's good. Isn't that sacrilegious? Uh, A little bit. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) You know, it's interesting with all of the guests that Ozzy has on this new album. They couldn't work shit out with Jake to have him on this album. You know, it's just it's kind of sad. Would have been cool. But again, you know, to to your point, Ed, Jake was such a monster back then. You know, unfortunately, substances uh, probably diminished a lot of what he had. And as as good as he he may still be, you know, as Brad is alluding to in the chat here, uh, Sharon doesn't like him. You know, <laughs> Ed doesn't like Sharon. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this was also on Anthony's list, on my list. My neighbor had this on cassette. So. Um, yeah, uh, again, because you could copy cassettes easily back then. He got the 399 cutout bin copy, and, and I got the Memorex copy uh, that day. And I played this like crazy. You know, I absolutely love this album. I still listen to stuff off of this album all the time. I, I realize that, you know, it's not held in the same esteem as all the Randy stuff and some of the Zach stuff. But to me, the Jake stuff is as good as the Randy stuff and, and as good as some of the better Zach stuff. That's just my personal funky taste. So um, in any event, uh, we are at number three. Before we jump on to number three, I wanted to mention the top three songs that were voted for for the playlist. So, um, oh, okay, Anthony, you figured out how to unmute. All right, so give us your uh, Bark at the Moon. Still muted. Uh-oh. All right. Um, well, next time, if you want to write something in the chat, just write it and I'll read it. I mean, whatever whatever works for you. With, with any of these last three albums, if you want to comment on anything, I'd be more than happy to, to read, the, read your comments. Um, so the top three songs, there were, there were a lot of songs voted on. Um, but... There were three that 
everyone voted for more than anything else. It wasn't even close. These three eclipsed everything. The third most voted on song, and I should say that two and three tied. Okay. Um, one of them we already mentioned. It's Metal Health by Quiet Riot. Tied with that for number two is The Trooper by Iron Maiden. So people voted, you know, Metal Health uh, as important as The Trooper. It just worked out that way somehow. Number one, the most voted on song. It wasn't even close, folks. This song from the start. This song was the most voted on song. It, 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 the other two that I mentioned didn't even come close to this. This gets played on U.S. radio every single day. Johan, you mentioned before, you've heard it so many times. It's Bark at the Moon by Ozzy Osbourne. You guys voted for this song more than any other song. So I, I made a complete list of 1983. The list is 121 songs long, so it'll be... Um, Nice for everyone to dive in and listen to. It's a little of everything. And um, I, I, think, I think it'll be cool. I mean, I was, I was putting all this together and thinking about how, how well the Thrash play, playlist came out. I think you guys will be happy with this as well. So any shock, anyone shocked that those three songs were the top three songs voted on by, by the patrons? No, no one seems to be shocked. Brad, you're raising your hand. What did you want to say? Yeah, I'm totally shocked. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I, I think of our group as being, you know, more, more thinking about these albums like this rather than like this. So for uh, the, the big song off the album to be the one that, that's picked, kind of, kind of, it shocks me. Yeah, I figured we'd be more kind of deep cuts people, but uh, um, I don't know. I probably I probably picked a, a big song off of one of the albums, the top one of my top ten albums too. But sometimes you have to, you have well, to go. You have to you have to go with your favorite stuff, man. Listen to your listen to your heart. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. I I think that no, there were plenty of deep cuts picked, but I I think that there's some of these songs that are just so big that it's hard to vote against them, you know, for, 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 I, I can honestly say that I voted for two of those three. Um, one of those I voted for, for a deep, for a deeper track. Uh, but because I've listed that deeper track more than, than the song that was picked. But, uh, I'll, I'll mention that probably later. But uh, Anthony, do you want to see if the mic's working now? I think it is. The mic is working. <laughs> we can hear Mr. Mackey. Yeah, I had to, I had to reload uh, the page. It just wasn't working. Um, what do we got to say about that? Well, it's always funny to hear 
people's metal experience um, from the US, like how people get into metal through kind of mainstream avenues. Right. Like you always hear, like, this was big on the radio, this was big on TV. That is completely alien to me. <laughs> um, like, metal here in Ireland, it was underground. Like, uh, like talk about pyromania. Getting pyromania was this, what is this stuff that no one's heard of? Like, you rock or metal on the radio, that's never ever going to happen. TV, probably on BBC, or, you know, or, or Channel 4 or something, but we get like, UK stations. But that was rare, very, very rare. We had one TV show that went out on Sunday mornings that was three hours of videos. And you might get a maiden at the very end if you were lucky. You know, it, it, so it's just really—it's always bizarre to 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 hear that metal existed in the mainstream somewhere in the world. <laughs> well, yeah. Here's here's the thing, though. Back then, since MTV really needed content, uh, I oh, yeah. I read a book by by Greg Prado called "When MTV Ruled the World," and they talked about how metal bands were just willing to do this stuff. You know, so if you were fast enough to record three, four videos, they needed content. So they put it on because they needed to fill space. As the decade went on, that went away. That that, that definitely went away. Um, sure. Yeah. And Brad is saying that it didn't exist in the mainstream until MTV. We're, we're talking about, you know, um, some, of, some of these were mainstream. I don't want to mention that all of them yet. Because there's there are other things that are going to come out that I would say were were on regular rotation, but there's a lot of stuff here that was, you know, when we say for example, except was on MTV, it was on Headbangers Ball. We're talking about after midnight on Saturdays, you know, sure, and, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, and radio for the most part was like that, you know, in the New York area, uh, you didn't hear Judas Priest until after 10 o'clock at night. Judas Priest was a band that you heard all the time, but it was after, you know, you didn't hear Sabbath until the nineties. You only heard run to the Hills and number of the beast. Um, after again, after 10 at night, you never heard, you know, up until stay hungry up until MTV, you started seeing twisted sister, Def Leppard and a few others. You know, m most of the stuff that I'm saying with, you know, getting on MTV was late night stuff. Um, you know, some of the other bands that we've already mentioned, ACDC, ACDC got played all the time. That that never changed. Crocus got played a considerable amount at one point in time and then fizzled pretty fast, but because they needed content. Uh, Rat, which I mentioned, ZZ Top obviously got a lot of play. Journey obviously got a lot of play. Ramones got play and Kiss got play. But out of the 43 albums on here, I mean, most of this stuff was word of mouth, late night, you know, late night radio. If you had a quote unquote 
metal show, it was always after 10 o'clock at night. You know, it was never during the day. And maybe you would hear, hey, let's play Living After Midnight by Judas Priest. That was the closest thing. Or Ed is mentioning metal shop. Um, we had in my area, we had from, from when I was 12 or 13, I had Eddie Trunk because Eddie Trunk was local to where I grew up. Um, there was a, st- there was a show called metal mania on Friday nights. It started at 11 o'clock and it was 11 to one every Friday. And Eddie trunk was on for three minutes, the metal news. And then after that, he took over and then he started playing stuff. So, um, yeah, we, we never got metal shop out East. We had, we had Eddie trunk. We had Ian, Ian O'Malley on WNEW in New York, like Sundays at like one in the morning. So that was one of these things where I would set my alarm clock, have a cassette ready to go. I'd push record on, on the cassette and just let it record for, you know, 45 minutes, half an hour, whatever cassette I had in the next day, I'd go back and listen to see whatever, whatever I picked up. Um, and luckily in my area, when I became a teen WSOU was something that I found out about, which was metal and punk 24 hours a day on a Catholic, on a Catholic station. So go figure. (laughs) But anyway, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's why I love having you guys for these discussions because what happens in Ireland isn't the same as what happened Say for Jeremy isn't what happened in the middle of the U S isn't what happened in California and isn't what happened on the East coast. That's why, you know, unfortunately MTV had a big hand in killing that off the regionality of music where a band could be huge. Joey Vera of armored saint talks about this. in One of Bob Nalbandian's um, documentaries, how armored saint had a career just in California because of the radio station presence. And because you had like 20 towns you could play in and make good money. But once the playlist became national, that no longer happened. So, uh, anyway, a lot of great banter going on back and forth. Thanks to, uh, (laughs) Anthony instigating it. He was the catalyst for this, but, uh, it's, it's awesome. Again, I love hearing these stories. Uh, this is, it makes these shows worthwhile hearing all this stuff. I must, I must, uh, can you still hear me? Yeah. 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 I must say, um, I actually did vote for Bark of the Moon, uh, as the song from Bark of the Moon. Um, like I haven't, a lot of these albums I haven't listened to in, you know, 20 years. Right. But, uh, going through the list of the albums that came out that year, it was so dense with memories and albums that took me right back to the, to that time. Yeah. So we just sort of picked albums that really stood out. And uh, I think recently I, I know on Facebook or something, someone posted the uh, Aussie on top of the pops doing Bark of the Moon. Mm-hmm. And I just was watching it. And it was, it's so, it's brilliant. You know, it's really, really good. And it just struck me what a fantastically crafted song it is, you know. Yeah. So it's it's undeniably brilliant, you know. So I had to pick that from that album. 
We we can we can thank Ozzy for writing that all by himself. At least that's what the uh, credits say. <laughs> the, the the sticking point with uh, with Jakey Lee and with Bob Daisley. So uh, Ed saying that that's one of Jake's best solos. Yeah. So anyway, before we we hop on the the um, the top three, actually I'll I'll recount before we get to number one. But at number three. Again, in a album to me, which is just great beginning to end. No bad song on it. Um, plenty of people voted it number one. The, uh, the only person that didn't vote for this album out of the people that are here are, is actually Anthony. The album. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go around the horn here to everyone. The album is Holy Diver by Dio. Number three. Jer- Jeremy, you were certain this was going to be number one. <laughs> this, this is the biggest travesty in metal. This is going to be written about the, in, in the album. Didn't, didn't vote this number one. This is just ridiculous it's just ridiculous i mean this is the greatest album in my opinion obviously not everybody's so that's fine um dio he 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 did everything in in sort of doubles i mean he he was on the two greatest rainbow black sabbath albums and then he he was on the greatest two dio albums as well obviously the second was just as good um i mean this is just an amazing debut album um, you know how many bands have covered the, the title track uh, song is a killer song on it uh, he managed to carve out a, a sound of his own a little bit like Sabbath it's not it's kind of different it's edgier it's more um, he's, he's put together a great band um, they're all you know at the top of their game and I just remember bringing this home from the local record store I mean we had a record laying records um, and I brought it and it was in my little white plastic stuck it on my record player and I was just almost crying because it was so good even today <laughs> you know I can put it on and, and there's songs on there even songs like Gypsy which you liked at the time, I just think it's great, and and obviously the very last song that we, we all know about "Don't Talk to Strangers" and the title track, and you go on and on, but it's not not number one. I, obviously, I am made no higher than this. That's fine. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, it's just fantastic. Yeah, this was number one on several people's list. Um, and it's interesting that you brought something up, that these songs could have been Black Sabbath songs. And because they couldn't work things out, they're a completely different entity. Uh, Mike, this was also your number one. It was, yes. Um, as the aforementioned Iron Maiden and Dio were going round and round in my head as to who got top spot. but. 
um, just the the memories associated with this, you know, every song end to end, all perfect. Like, you know, one of the, I think this was the first cassette tape that I popped in the car stereo when I got my driver's license in my own car and, uh, you know, absolutely wore the thing out. Um, again, you know, just like every song on there, you know, from Holy Diver, Shame on the Night, Rainbow in the Dark. I mean, just hit after hit, and every song is absolutely perfect. I mean, there is you know, no doubt this is a, an absolute desert island album for me that I could listen to every day and never ever get tired of. Cool, Brad. Also, you're number one. Yeah, I have to second everything Mike just said there. I mean, this album, the very first time I heard it, uh, somebody had sent it to me on cassette. I, I was actually serving a, a mission at the time, wasn't supposed to be listening to rock music. Um, so none of these albums I bought during 1983, I, I, I bought everything later. Uh, but somebody knew that I had to listen to this and they sent me a cassette of it. And of course, I, I listened to it. And I was so blown away at how good it was. I mean, I didn't expect Dio to be this great. And it was just the perfect um, formula. Those four guys, uh, I mean, just fantastic writing. The sound of the album is great. The bass tone is like one of a kind. I mean, Jimmy Bain, nobody sounds like him. Um, and I, I, yeah, it's it's an album that if I put it on, I can listen to it front to back. I don't skip a single thing. I never get tired of listening to it. There's not one song that's like, oh, geez, I, I, I've heard that enough. I mean, even Rainbow in the Dark, I mean, it's been played to death, but I will never, I'll, I'll never not listen to it. I mean, there's so many other songs like the, well, like Bark at the Moon, I could, even though a lot of people pick that as their number one song, um, I, I could, I could skip that song because I've, I've heard it enough, but Rainbow in the Dark, I haven't heard that one enough and I've heard it a lot. So every song on there is just great front to back. So there you go. Number one. If you didn't vote for it, number one, it's because you haven't listened to it. <laughs> how, how were you able to, to listen to it? How, how'd you sneak listening to it? Well, I did have a cassette player for various um, uh, church activities. <laughs> <laughs> but did, so did, I, I, could, I, could listen, I could listen to a cassette. And yeah, if somebody sends me something, I don't know what's on this tape. I have to listen to it. And, I, I had to listen to the whole thing because there might have been some personal message in there for me, and I, I'm I'm not gonna lie, man. I remember I remember we were we were uh, teaching this kid, and um, we were in his car, and I said, "Dude, put this tape in your car and crank it because we got a really good sound system," and he was just blown away. I mean, this is a this is a black kid in Memphis, Tennessee, and he's just like, "I really like this," and and that back then that totally went against everything. Um, you know, of that culture. And uh, I, I actually gave him the tape because I'm like, you know, yeah, you need, you need to uh, listen to this and, you know, spread spread the metal love, man. Cause I will, I will one day go home and I will be buying this many times over. And I have. So at what point did they call you a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, uh, peddling metal onto the, uh, onto the flock? Never. No, man, I, 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 everything's from my heart and metal is from my heart. And so therefore it's a good thing. There you it's, go. There's nothing wrong with metal, man. And all these people who think that it's bad, 
you're you're just a dumbass. Okay, I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> and I, if if you like something that I think sucks, well, I respect you for that. Uh, but it still sucks. There you go, um, Ed, holy diver. Yeah. So I think I heard you talk about this once. Uh, I had a cassette called Masters of Metal. Yeah. That came out in 84. Right. And that had Black Sabbath trashed Mm -hmm. and then Rainbow in the Dark. So that was my uh, first hearing both of those bands. And, you know, Rainbow in the Dark, I like way better, much more intense. And not long after that, then, was the last in-line record. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they had videos on MTV. And, you know, I, I instantly loved Dio from the second I heard that first song. Right. And I did, Vivian Campbell's one of my favorite guitar players. Um, but, you know, I was just absorbing so many bands at that time uh, that... You know, I can't, I can't say that I listened to that record more than any of the others, but I listened to that just as much as everything I was listening to at that time. You know, it's classic. It never gets old. Cool. Brad, did you want to say something else? No, other than uh, he, he cited every reason this should be the number one album of 1983. I didn't even talk about Vivian. Holy crap. Uh, Vivian Campbell, he was just a kid. His playing on that album is just unbelievable. His tone, his technique, the, his leads, um, the rhythm. Uh, just, oh, I mean, uh, it's a it's a masterclass. I mean, yeah, Jakey Lee, uh, his playing on on Bark of the Moon is is unbelievable as well. But I'm going to say that his tone isn't that great on there. I I I much prefer what Vivian House Vivian sounds on this album. This is how metal should, or this is how rock should sound this album right here. I, I, I would personally beg to differ with that, but uh, it's, it's all right that you're wrong, Brad. No, um, um, no, it's, it's okay that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but especially we're talking about poor old Vivian Campbell, you know, Dio forced him to buy a cheap Ferrari. Hey, you know, um, he, he was, he wasn't making enough. And, and thankfully now he's employed by a band or he doesn't even have to write a single note on an album and get paid well. He doesn't have to play live. Um, Anthony is saying Holy Diver is a better sounding album than Bark at the Moon. Yeah, I, I didn't want to tell Brad that, you know, we don't want to agree with everything he says. Um, <laughs> Johan, uh, Holy Diver. Uh, yeah. I remember when it was uh, released, it was a game changer here in Sweden. Uh, uh, the opening track, Stand Up and Shout, is one I can say to you now that probably my, if you want to open a concert, that's the song. Great song uh, in... Uh, you guys have said the most of it are... It's it's a complete album. It's a ten out of ten album. It's nineteen eighty three, and uh, I mean the albums we have here are excellent, and this one is one of the best. So, uh, oh, 
I love this album. Uh, and uh, as Vivian Campbell, great guitar tone. Uh, yeah, all have been all has been said. I love this album. It's a ten out of ten album. Thank you. Yeah. All, all kidding aside, it, it it does sound phenomenal. How how the fuck did Black Sabbath go from heaven and hell, Mob Rules? For all of the stuff that was said about live evil and how they, you know, uh, Ronnie and Vinny went in and messed with the board and then Geezer and Tony Wood. How did Sabbath get the sound on tra- on Born Again? I mean, I love the songs on Born Again. It's got a certain, um, you know, thing about it, even though it's got the wonky sound. It, it still has a certain, like, aura to it. But man, just just listen to how how good those first two Dio albums sound. They they kind of continued what Dio did in Sabbath. Uh, Brad is asking where Born Again was on the list. It was twenty eight on the list. So it was considerably uh, down farther. Uh, Holy Diver. Holy Diver and Bark at the Moon both got more than double the amount of points than um, than Born Again. So, number two, let me. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> number two. Let's see how many people voted on this. Um, Ed voted for it again. Is Anthony saying the Ed list? Um, All right. Wow. Okay. So Ed voted for it. Johan voted for it. I voted for it. All right. So us three are the only ones out of the people here that voted for it. But this was voted for the people that voted for this album. It was usually, for example, Ed voted this number three. Johan voted it number three. I voted it number two. Anyone that voted for this voted it within their top three picks. So that's why this ranked so high. And it it got considerably more votes than than Holy Diver did. No, not Brian Adams. There isn't another uh, Huey Lewis uh, screwball in here. Um, Johan is at least agreeing with this. Number two. Uh, although the singer nowadays is probably best known for going <gasps> back then he was great, at least on the album. It is Motley Crue with shout at the devil. So Johan, you voted it your second for the year, or no third for the year, both you and, uh, Ed did. Um, Yes. Shout at the devil. What did that, you know, what was that like in Sweden? Because you have to admit a lot of bands in Sweden from Crash Diet to Eclipse and all these other bands. They still dress as if, they, uh, you know, they um, just listen to Shout at the Devil. They're still trying to recreate Shout at the Devil. I think this was one of the most, if not 
the actually the most influential hard rock album for a lot of these sleaze metal bands that are still going today in Sweden. So how big was Shout at the Devil in Sweden when it came out? Okay, let me, uh, uh, and I'm sorry for my bad English now, but uh, in 1984, the most legendary concert uh, in Sweden in ever was Moses of Rock with Van Halen, ACDC, and Motley Crue in 1984 in Stockholm. And the most band, the band that everybody talked about was Motley Crue. Uh, and they got a lot of press uh, in the biggest, uh, you know, uh, rock magazines. They got a lot of press. And I was, uh, you know, I, I bought the album. Uh, and for me, Motley Crue was uh, my real gateway into heavy metal. You know, you open the gatefold. If you gatefold is the right way to say, yes. yes. And the pictures, and the songs. Uh, to me, that's a that's a you know one of the best hard rock LPs that someone ever made. Uh, and it's sad. I've seen Motley Crue a lot of times, but only. Uh, in you know, in the twenty after two thousand four, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, I really, really wish that I would that I seen them back in the day. I know that some of you guys have seen them. Uh, so for me, shout the devil is. It's a part of my DNA. That's one of my most important records of all time. Thank you. Anthony's saying they still never played Ireland. And uh, yeah, horrible production. The remix and remaster that they did in the early 2000s sounds really good. They improved it quite a bit. I mean, with those remixes and remasters, it's always dicey because sometimes they just fuck with the albums too much and just kill like the essence instead of just making it louder. Sometimes they remix it. Like uh, Tony Iommi did that with uh, black Sabbath's dehumanizer. And the first thing he did was tone all the drums down, which was like what stood out of that album. So he, in my opinion, he killed it, but the, um, the, the remix and remaster that is really good. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Ed, you also voted on this one. Yeah. You know, I just got done reading that book, The Dirt. Right. And, you know, I could not be more disappointed in any of my rock stars <laughs> than I feel after reading that book. Right. And just reading about the way they treated each other, uh, not to mention the way they treated other people. Right. Uh, but that being said, those two records, that they first put out are so wonderful that, yeah, you just got to put the artist aside from the music, you know? Um, and so Def Leppard, January and March, we got Metal Health. Uh, you know, that stuff was all over MTV and all over the radio. And because of that, even a lot of my 
friends that didn't care for hard rock and metal were into these bands. Right. So one of my best friends comes over to my house one day and he says, you got to listen to this. And he had bought shot at the devil. Mm -hmm. He went over to my record player and he probably skipped uh, the introduction because my mom's in the kitchen right (laughs) next to my room. Right. But he laid the needle down on shout at the devil. And when I heard the tone of Mick Mars guitar, yeah, the, hair stood up on my arms. It was just the wickedest thing I'd heard to that point and was, yeah, instantly a huge fan. And yeah, I, I, that's one of the many records that I learned note for note on the uh, tennis racket in front of the mirror in my bedroom before <laughs> I started playing guitar. Yeah. I, I, I know that album extremely well. Yeah. Yeah. This was, um, for me, I believe it was my number two. Yes. Um, I know. What am I talking about? It was my number one. Quiet Riot was my number two. I, I flipped them around. So I, I went off the top of my head and screwed that up before. Um, this, and it makes sense because I have bootleg upon bootleg upon bootleg from this tour, from the demos of, of these songs. I mean, the original version of shout at the devil is like two minutes longer with like this long, like outro to it. And Mick Mars is soloing all over that. And the riff is slightly different. It's a little bit more complex. And, you know, it's one of these things where, uh, Jeremy, um, you know, the decibel geek did bootylicious or bootylicious. Yes. Demolicious the other day. Bootylicious is a uh, wrestling thing. Excuse me. Um, but some of you guys follow Despo Geek and that song, I'm sure it's up on YouTube. The end of it. I remember the first time I heard even the demo thinking, why the hell did Tom Worman cut this? I'm like, this is just so cool. The, the way that this used to end, but I get it. You know, he, they, they were probably trying to get this on radio somehow. And of course, because of satanic panic, that didn't happen. But I remember seeing the video for Looked at Kill, and I was like, holy shit, these guys are like dressed up like Kiss, kind of. And the riffs are heavier. The drums are heavier. It sounds like Creatures of the Night. This is right up my alley. As you said, it kind of fits in with what the Quiet Riot album sounded like. And, you know, let's be honest, for people that grew up in that area, there was the constant back and forth between. Quiet Riot and Van Halen for the longest time until Randy took off to play with Ozzy. Um, so, th- I mean, I think that really influenced why this became a big album. Also, Quiet Riot and Motley Crue both played the Us Festival. Ozzy did as well. So that's why these three albums are so huge for a lot of people as well. So, And again, uh, it was perfectly made for MTV, those yeah. videos. Yeah. Absolutely. You you get to uh, Too Young to Fall in Love, which they sparingly play anymore. But the video, I remember seeing that. I'm like, wow, this is like marrying a kung fu movie with, with a metal video. I'm like, what's this? You know, it was it was combining two of my worlds there, you know, movies and, and music. So it was it was ridiculous. Um Anyway, so let's let's count down uh, once again 
the the top 10 here before we get to number one. No surprise, it's Glenn Campbell. But uh, no, um, <laughs> let's do uh, ten, ten, to, 10 to 2 real quick here. Um, let's see here. So 10 was Y&T with Mean Street. Mean Streak, excuse me. Uh, number nine is Accept with Balls to the Walls. Number eight, Metallica with Kill 'em All. Number seven, Def Leppard with Pyromania. Number six, Twisted Sister with You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. Number five, Quiet Riot with Metal Health. Number four, Ozzy Osbourne with Bark at the Moon. Number three, Dio with Holy Diver. Number two, Motley Crue with Shout at the Devil. And number one, I thought this was the year for the longest time until the last day when I started getting all these people voting like crazy. Iron Maiden's Peace of Mind, number one. I don't think that came to much people's surprise. If we look at the list here, Jeremy voted it at number two. Ed voted it number seven. Mike, number two. Brad, number two. Johan, number two. Anthony, number five. And I voted it number five. So it was number one on a lot of different lists. Um, trying to see here. My brother voted it number five. Steve voted it number seven. My cousin Gabriel, number one. And Chris voted it number three. So it was on all but one of the lists. So everyone, I'll call on everyone to talk about it. Let's go with uh, Anthony. Um, Peace of mind in Ireland. What was it like for this album to come out? What's your recollection? Well, I, I mean, I think it was it was big. It was big amongst our, you know, metal crowd because we'd all been, you know, pumped up on Maiden for the last year. So, like, you know, Maiden were the band for many years you know right it's it, it, i don't know what else there is to say it was there was huge excitement and it, and it, and it delivered had, had they played ireland by then no no maiden didn't play ireland until uh, like bruce's last tour like a real dead one you know that that tour yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's that was the first time maiden played ireland Okay. Yeah. So that's like ninety-two ish, something like that. Like they were, we definitely missed their, their peak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, for me. Yeah. No, I, I I agree with you. That's a conversation I I had with with my kids going through their discography this week. That you know, up until Seventh Son, from the first album to Seventh Son, that's a hell of a run 
from like 80 to what, 88 with Seventh Son, if I'm not screwing the year up? I mean, that's... Yeah, that's a- I, I probably wouldn't go as far as Seventh Son myself, but uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, the, I think that they're all classics. You could argue which of those is their best, but I mean, there was there was definitely a big drop off after Seventh Son. I, to me, when Adrian left the band, I mean, a lot of people talk about Bruce leaving. Adrian and his songwriting, I think, was a lot was a bigger hit to the band than Bruce leaving the band. Hell, there's even a track on No Prayer for the Dying that was still co-written by uh, by Adrian. But um, yeah, even Peace of Mind, if you think about it, I, I know that, again, referencing Decibel Geek, uh, they were saying that Peace of Mind wasn't one of their stronger albums. And I'm thinking, hello, uh, Revelations, The Trooper, Die With Your Boots On, um, Where Eagles Dare, um, Still Life. I mean, Still Life. To me, it was between Still Life and Revelations as my vote because I've listened to both of those songs so much and I love both of them so much. Yeah, Still Life was my vote. Was yeah. my vote. Yeah. Yeah. So I just loved how it just it felt like a weird song at the time, and I love that. Absolutely, but it it was it's funny. It's it's so atypical, but it's still so them at the same time. You know, I. Again, referencing uh, Seventh Son, I think Infinite Dreams was another one that was like similar to that. But uh, anyway, that's that's a conversation for another year. Uh, <laughs> Ed, peace of mind. Uh, so I first heard, uh, what is it, Run to the Hills on that Masters of Metal compilation. Right. And then, uh, you know, as time went on, collected those first, five albums you know by the time power slave had come out and you know there's in those first five records there's not a song i don't like and so maiden was one of those bands like i can't really say that there was any one maiden record that i just listened to all the time more than the others just right maiden was just you know they just become a part of your heavy metal life and you listen to some maiden then you listen to something else and you listen to some more maiden you listen to something else you know and peace of mind, gosh, yeah, what an awesome record! Just as good as Number of the Beast, and uh, my favorite song is probably Revelations. I like Still Life though. Isn't the Prisoner on that record too? That's on Number uh, of the Beast. Okay, got that wrong. One of my favorite tunes though too, uh, Where Eagles Dare. I think that's one of the heaviest songs. And uh, there's a band, uh, kind of a thrash metal band from the '90s called uh, Deliverance. Right. And uh, a few years ago, they did a remake of Where Eagles Dare with mm-hmm. a real heavy guitar tone. And man, it's just it's perfect for it. It's perfect for a good heavy remake. Yeah, I love that record. Yeah, you, you mentioned that about their discography up until then. Um, again, my nine year old who is exploring all types of bands that I'm into, thanks to Apple Music. <laughs> Um, stumbled upon Virtual Eleven yesterday and says to me, why did they include horns on this album? There's trumpets. Why does Iron Maiden have trumpets? I said, yeah, that's... <laughs> we'll, we'll, have, we'll have you ask Steve Harris in a few years. <laughs> but yes, there's again, there's definitely a drop-off in the quality. Um, the man that voted uh, Where Eagles Dare is his favorite song off of um, Peace of Mind, Johan. What was this yes. album like when it came out in Sweden? 
Well, as uh, as I said before, uh, no, perhaps not that, but uh, Maiden is the biggest uh, heavy metal band in Sweden, and uh, uh, this album for me is perfect. Uh, some songs like Quest for Fire has perhaps some lyrics that are yeah questionable, but uh, yeah. It's a 10 out of 10, and the song uh, where Eagles there is, I mean, wow, that's a good song. Um, I know, I mean, I've seen them so many times, and uh, they play too few songs from this album. They should skip the Trooper, of course, <laughs> live, but yeah, but. I mean, this is a 10 out of 10 album uh, for me. Uh, it's, a, it's a perfect heavy metal album. Uh, I bought it when it came out. Uh, no, not uh, all, almost when it came out. Uh, and I mean, it's a wow. I love this album. This is, uh, this is, for me, my one of my biggest heavy metal uh, history moments, if you say so. It's wow. Jeremy, what do you think of uh, Peace of Mind? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, um, it, I think it's one of the better albums. Um, it was amazing that you know, it really pushed them on, I think, in, in many ways. Um, some really good commercial hits on it. Uh, Flight of Icarus was brilliant. Nobody's mentioned Diary. It's a great song. I always go to that. It's one of my first songs on the album because it's just one of those songs. Um, and I, I think it was great because Nico comes onto the album. I'd follow trust, you know, in, in what they were doing. And then he comes in and him and, and Steve, just amazing. If you listen to it, still listen to you know the drumming and the bass sound to on the album. <coughs> um, so to me, you know, I'm not really listening. I'm just listening to those two knitting together as a you know as a pair. And this was the early. It's great, and I think the side A of that album is is a real killer. Side A. In the old days, you know, you, you had just the vinyl. So you flipped it over, and then, of course, the trooper comes on. Wow. You know, you're looking at your friends who's in the same room as you, and you listen to the album together. What an album this is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Mike, for you. I mean, another huge one. I came in to the Amazing Cold with uh, Number of the Beast and went backwards from there. And then when this came out, I, I got it, you know, close to about the, the release date with with no internet. Um, you know, just wandering through the record store and seeing that cover and going, oh, yeah, I got to buy this. And, you know, popped it on. And again, you know, like everybody else said, I mean, perfect album, great songs. Um, just the, you know, the addition of Nico. Um, I don't know how you go from Pat Drivers to this. Um, but you know, he, he definitely nailed it. 
Uh, yeah, I got uh, got some good metal credit in high school with this one. In a uh, mythology class, I got to play Flight of Icarus, thanks to Iron Maiden, live there in, in a high school class. And, uh, you know, one of the shiny moments of, of my school career, for sure. So thanks to Iron Maiden. Yeah, that's interesting. We we got to do that with several English teachers, but with uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. So... <laughs> Right up there. Um, Brad, for you, peace of mind. What was it like when this album came out? I'm, I'm assuming you were in California at that time still. No, I was uh, I was actually somewhere in the south, uh, either uh, probably Tennessee. Oh, right. OK, OK. But I, I didn't. And nobody sent me a tape of this. What the hell is wrong with my friends? Um, yeah, so I didn't hear it till later. And uh, but uh, unbelievable. I, yeah, this is a. I felt like it was the incredible thing about Maiden is that I felt like at this point, every album was better than the one before it. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but it just felt that way. felt like, holy crap, this is a band that just keeps getting better and better and better. Uh, For me, the difference between one and two is the last three songs on here. I'm not saying they suck. I'm just saying they're just kind of like, eh, you know, whereas with Holy Diver, the last three songs are great. So there. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic album. I love the sound of it. I love the performances and I love most of the, most of the songs on there. So, uh, and they just, they got, they even got better on the next album. How is that possible? (laughs) But can we have, can we have a list other than the thrash list where Iron Maiden's not number one? Is that possible? We'll find out in 84, right? No, they'll still be number one. Yeah, well, um, remember that uh, the year that Live After Death, hopefully a lot of people don't decide to start voting live albums that year. And then after, after I'm assuming that after Seventh Son, we, we, we won't, uh, we w- we'll see them on the list probably, but maybe not as high. But we'll see. I could be wrong. I, I thought as things started out that maybe this was the year, but... Um, yeah, we'll, 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 well, we're going to wait and see when we do the best albums of 2022. We'll, we'll see what gets number one there. Uh, you, you think that uh, Stool Jitsu will be on there? Yeah. Did it come out in this year or was it last year? I'm I confused. don't remember if it was this year. I don't remember when the, the calendar uh, turned over. Usually, usually when, when I don't like an album, I try to forget a, about it. So I, yeah, I, fair I enough. don't know. I kind of feel like it, maybe it was last year and it already was number one last year. Yeah, I, I guess it was. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. I think you're right. Anyway. Yeah, so maybe this will be the year that Iron Maiden doesn't make number one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, for me, echoing what Ed said before, Masters of Metal was such a huge, huge album to me. Um, I can thank Kim Gladish, who begged me to uh, allow her to come to my birthday party uh, in third grade, because she says, I promise I'll buy you something really cool. It had masters of masters of metal is what she bought for me, which had black Sabbath trashed and crocus screaming in the night and twisted sister. You can't stop rock and roll and rush Tom Sawyer. And what else was on there? Dancing in the streets, Van Halen, uh, street of dreams, rainbow, Rainbow in the Dark by Dio and Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden. That was my introduction to Iron Maiden. And they just blew me away. Little did I know that they would become 
you know, uh, that them and Kiss would become my 1A and 1B, basically. Uh, for years, I only listened to Maiden. It, it was just ridiculous how much it was. Peace of Mind is the first Iron Maiden album that I purchased. I was at the age where I could actually start buying a considerable amount of music. And I got to Spain, went on a, uh, went on a long hike the day after we got here. And one of the parishioners that went along, the son had live after death. And he said to me, um, what's Bruce saying between songs? And that's why if you guys have heard me sample Bruce before uh, Revelations uh, during the trivia show or whatever, it's from live after death. It's because that's what this kid had me translate for him, uh, where he says, you know, this song is about or this is what. Or no, what? Do, uh, yeah, this is about washing a pair of curtains. It's called Revelations. No, I'm thinking the I used the one before rhyming ancient mariner. This is what not to do when a bird shits on you. Sorry. Anyway, to my point, I went to the store and I bought Peace of Mind and Live After Death for myself. I said I want two albums. I love this live album, but I also want a studio album. And Peace of Mind was the cheapest one I could purchase, so that's what I bought, so that I could afford both. And I loved it from day one. Um, beginning to end, I absolutely love this album. I've listened to it so much with Maiden. Maiden to me is a lot like what Johan says about Metallica for him. I've listened to Maiden so much that I stopped listening to them for like two or three years because I just couldn't listen to Maiden anymore. You know, I just went through that cycle where I think it's happened to all of us with certain bands, but I love them. You know, they, I still listen to them so much. And this album was hugely important to me. And there's a reason why it is number one on the list. There's a reason why the Trooper was voted the second most out of uh, any song um, that people submitted. Uh, Maiden is just huge. They will go down as one of the biggest and most important metal bands of all time. I mean, there's there's no other way of putting it. As much as I'd love to see another band take number one, I get why they're number one year after year with every album that they put out because they're just hugely monumental landscape albums. Throw any cliche you want out there. They're all important. So um, real quick question. I've asked this on Trivia Tuesday before, so I don't know if anyone will remember this or if anyone knows this. The song To Tame a Land had a different title originally, but had they have used that original title, I see Mike going to uh, Wikipedia real quick. <laughs> um, what was the original name? Had they have used it, they would have been sued. They didn't get permission. Does anyone know what the original name of To Tame a Land was? Johan? It's uh, something about Dune. It is Dune. The, the song was supposed to be called Dune because the, Steve Harris loves writing about movies and books. Hence why you have Dune, you have uh, Where Eagles Dare, you have so on and so forth. He, he loves his horror. He loves his war movies. He loves his uh, history books. So here you go. Yeah, why couldn't they call the song Dune? I don't know that that's... Um... 
because the family of the guy that originally wrote Dune, they asked for permission, much like they did for the prisoner. Uh, they were allowed to use the prisoner. They were allowed to use were eagles there, for example. But the family of the guy that wrote Dune said they couldn't use it. Yeah, that I don't know. I think you. I think you could use it for a song title. You'd I get mean, sued because it's an shouldn't have asked. Yeah, shouldn't have asked. There you go. But you're you're yeah, open I, to getting. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, you're yeah open- he's right. Yeah, he's right. They shouldn't have asked. They should have just called it Dune. <laughs> but. Uh, he he names he names characters throughout or there are characters named throughout the song and there are different things there's the the ocean which i i forget the name of it it's named in the song as well there's there's a bunch of different references to the book so yeah that's why you know they they would have had to change everything no the the book is better than the song <laughs> I'll take your word for it. In any event, um this was a massive list. This was a massive show, it was an important show. I want to thank each and every one of you guys for joining me tonight. I want to thank everyone that voted. Uh I keep saying this, if you want to vote during upcoming uh episodes, if you want to have your voice heard, become a patron. You can do it for 2 bucks. I know that some people have said, oh, you're always talking about Patreon, but if I don't, if I don't bang that drum, nobody else is gonna. So uh, I got to do it. Uh, anyway. Wait, wait, wait. I, I'm happy to do it, Victor. <laughs> but really, two bucks a month is too much for you? Come on. <laughs> Get another job. There you go. It's, wor- it's worth being part of this group. I mean, look, look at these guys. These are like the coolest people on this planet. All over, we're all over the world. We've somehow drawn this group of really cool people that we all like metal, but we all like little different things about metal. Well, except for Iron Maiden, um, and and yet we're we're all friends. As and, and then you, yeah. If you're going to pay two bucks a month to have great friends, you're you're getting a deal, man. So two bucks a month, pony up the dough, just join us. Then if you're an a-hole, well, we don't want you. So there. <laughs> there you go. Um, any any other parting words from anyone? Anyone wants to say anything else before we uh, we end this? Uh, does Iron Maiden conquer 1984 as well? They they released. Uh, is is Power Slave '84? Power Slave, yes. Yeah, they're gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> There's not going to be a better album in 1984. Arguably, their 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 biggest album. So, anyway, uh, Jose, thank you for being in the chat. And thank you for the kids for uh, Ferran and Iñaki listening as well. The entire family that is great. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Any anyone else want to say anything before we wrap this up? Um, yeah, I'll say this 1983, what an incredible year that I couldn't listen to rock music, um, (laughs) at the time, but I'm glad that I've been able to listen to it ever since. So great albums. And, uh, I, I'm, there's, I'm going to go back and listen to that quiet, Riot album. I'm going to give it one more chance. So, uh, we'll see what happens. You guys are the best, man. Thanks for being, being friends. Yeah, absolutely. I, I echo that. And, and I think we can, maybe disagree on the order 
of the albums, but I think that all of the albums, we could uh, agree that the majority of them are all great, good to great albums. So it, it was a tremendous year. It was a hard list to put together. Um, I'm hoping that 1984 will be that difficult. That's a good problem to have. That means there's a lot of good music that, that came out. So on that note, um, for Jeremy, for Mike Jones, for Johan, for Ed, for Anthony, and for Brad, we're signing off. We will see you next time right here on the Signals from Mars live stream. Remember, next week, Signals from Mars will become episode 300 of the Mars Attacks podcast. It is the end of the Mars Attacks podcast with that episode. So we will see you next week for that. See you. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 